Welcome to the Society Sucks Podcast. My name is Harvey Caves. My name is Mario Molina, and this is a podcast that covers mindset, finance, spirituality, and more. With new episodes coming out every week, we make it our goal to inspire and help you on your journey to success. So take a deep breath and enjoy. Episode number 93. And today we have a very special guest. He has climbed Mount Everest once, twice. He went vegan. He's a nutritional coach and he is India's most famous mountaineer, Kuntal Joysher. Say hello. Yes. Hey, hey. Hi, hi. How are you folks doing? You're doing, doing great. great. How are you? How is it on I'm your doing- side? Pretty good, you know, holding up uh, as well as uh, we all can be in the pandemic across the world, but not complaining at all. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's true. All right. Could, could you right, let so... us know, like, where are you from so the people know? Mm-hmm. Right. So I live in Mumbai in India. So oh. uh, it's on the west coast of India. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. It, it, it's a very big city. It's about uh, 22 million people in the city and uh, oh, wow. uh, very densely populated. But yeah, just mm-hmm. like any other city. Okay. And uh, also, I guess we should let our audience know that we, us three oh, yeah. are currently in three different uh, countries at the moment. Mario's in Mexico right now. Yeah. I'm in Georgia, US, and of course, India. Yeah. So, you know, if there's a little bit of lag... Hopefully you understand because <laughs> we are in three different countries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. So I guess leading into the first question that we have for Kuntal here is uh, what really started this journey into mountain climbing? Where did this all begin? Right. Uh, of course, it didn't start this way because I have zero background in terms of uh, athletics or fitness or mountaineering. I come from a community which is kind of known for its business acumen. Mm -hmm. And uh, so most people in my community or in my family naturally expected me to get into some form of a business and become an entrepreneur and kind of uh, have a good career in that sense. And if you look at people in my community, most of them are in some way obese, unhealthy, Even if they have to kind of climb one floor, they would rather take an elevator rather than climb a floor. Forget climbing a hill. Mount Everest is not even in their wildest dreams. So so it it didn't start off with me like like that and no genetic disposition as well in that sense. Um, I think it was completely by sheer coincidence that I stumbled onto probably one of the biggest dreams of my life and something Mm -hmm. that completely turned around the direction of my life. It was on a chance vacation that I took with my life, with my wife in um, in, a, in a small Himalayan village uh, in in the Indian Himalaya, and it was just a tourist trip. Like my wife had never seen snow in her entire life, and for me, it had almost been about twenty five years since I had seen snow. Oh, so it was wow. like you know, you're these kids who wanted to see some snow and play in some snow and. We ended up getting to this uh, Himalayan village to see snow and that's where I kind of fell in love with the mountains and in some sense the direction of my life changed Uh, and again I didn't want to climb Everest or anything but I think a lot of it was more about just achieving a certain state of the mind Mm -hmm. 
uh, i mm. did a small hiking trip and when i got to the top of the mountain that's when i kind of for the first time in my life truly felt this deep happiness oh, i truly wow. felt alive in some sense uh-huh. and it's like for the first time in my life i could exist in the microsecond of that moment rather than always in this mindset of planning for the future that i had never seen wow or mm-hmm. pondering over the mistakes of past that's already gone by like like what are you going to do about two things that are not even in under your control mm-hmm. but that's mm-hmm. what you're kind of controlling all the time but then first time during that trip i was able to let go of that control and kind of achieve the state of mind which a lot of people would probably do drugs for uh, and mm-hmm. or psychedelics oh, wow. for that's and, true but achieving that state without use of psychedelics i thought man this is amazing if you have to get addicted to something i think this would be a cool thing to get addicted to mm-hmm. getting fit climbing mountains achieving the state of mind and almost meditative kind of a state of mind so mm-hmm. it was all about chasing a certain state of mind rather than hey i want to climb mount everest of course mm. eventually along the journey it got to a point where i visited the everest base camp i saw everest i kind of mm-hmm. fell in love with everest i thought from a symbolic point of view it was a great and kind of go yeah no that that right there is amazing and uh when you mentioned about being in the present moment in the microsecond moment that right there is so powerful yeah, to me because i feel that like right. that is one of the essence of spirituality is you know we want to take ourselves out of the future out of the past and really just focus on what we have right now which is the present so i guess this leads me on to my next question and it's uh are you religious or spiritual at all and how does that add to your life mhm oh that's a good one so yeah i'm neither religious <clears throat> and i'm neither mm. spiritual uh, oh okay not spiritual in the sense that i believe in spirit or i believe in soul or I, or i believe in something like that mm-hmm. but maybe spiritual from a perspective that i look at nature or i look at mountains or i look at forests or i just look at these things that nature is it's, i'm i'm not kind of going to <clears throat> say that nature is divine or, or nature is god for me or all of that and kind of give it that 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 concept that it is god that it is you know something mm-hmm. overarching nature just is it's not mm-hmm. you know it doesn't have any human qualities it's not out there to take revenge on you it's not out there to kind of judge you it's mm-hmm. not out there to kind of kill you like you know people a lot of times say everest kills and even i say that everest kills and everest does not forgive mistakes i'm saying it from a very different mindset though uh, mm-hmm. kind of to just sensitize people that they need to be ready and those things but from a from how i perceive mountains or how i perceive life or how i perceive a lot of these things i don't attach them you know i don't give them any religious significance or i don't kind of give them this overarching concept of god that there is something superior than us mm-hmm. because if there's something superior than us then we also get into concepts of there's something inferior than us and then it's just oh. it's just a mess mm-hmm. beyond that point Mm-hmm. and on the other hand the skeptic in me the scientific the evidence based person me will also kind of always question there's no evidence and mm-hmm. and i'm not someone who's just going to blindly believe in something so mm-hmm. in that sense i like to keep my life a little uncomplicated a lot more simple 
and uh, i started off as an overly 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 religious person uh, who was a firm believer in god but i over a period of time realized that not having a god in my life made my life a lot more simple made a life oh, more wow. un- uncomplicated and uh, it just mm-hmm. not having that person who's all the time you know listening to my prayers or judging me or you know do it mm-hmm. like oh you know you're masturbating i'm you know i'm seeing you you know like <laughs> this is shit you know I, i am there if you're going to you know do this i'm going to do that i'm going to you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sure you know that is probably you know humans have given that attached you know probably that mindset you know that's how god is mm-hmm. but look I, i am someone who didn't need that uh, entity in my life yes. uh, my life is a lot more simple without that that entity so in some sense i'm not religious i don't believe in in that god god and neither actually over a period of time i got only living energy as well because i just like to think this is as his universe is mm-hmm. and um, i'm just grateful and i'm just privileged you know to mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. here to kind of uh, witness all this i mean imagine mm-hmm. 14 billion light years that's how gigantic our universe is or that's how we yeah. perceive uh, it, it who knows how big it is and in mm-hmm. that billions and billions and billions and billions of planets and stars and galaxies and everything and there's just life mm-hmm. potentially on one mm-hmm. so uh-huh. i think i'm just sheerly lucky to witness it and that that's, that's all i need i oh. don't need you know yeah. any entity i don't need any religious text i don't need mm-hmm. anything to kind of you know to be grateful about this thing and to be mm. to be to become a good human to become an ethical human to become a just human as much as i can i don't yeah. need anything else to drive that Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I I guess that can that can really change someone's mindset going into very, very like adversing things that can like lead into like you say you speak a lot about getting close to death and doing climbs. Like, has this piece with the idea of death like helped you or changed your perspective on how you continue life? Um, I. Th- So when I first decided to climb Everest uh, mm-hmm. and I started doing some research about it I quickly uh, realized that yes death is a reality mm-hmm. and I keep hearing about so many people dying on Everest and all of these things so that was always there at the back of my mind but I thought you know what I just like any maybe newbie person or just like any mountaineer or just like a young guy mm-hmm. I thought I am invincible in some sense mm-hmm. nothing will happen to me yeah like uh, like you know how how can anything go wrong i'm just going to train hard i'm going to you know do everything the best i can nothing can happen to me i kind of you know went into the mountains with that attitude and then it, this is you know the stuff that you learn on the mountains and something that i tell a lot of people to just be open minded about mm-hmm. a lot of these experiences i think for me i got a big kick on my ass Like big time. Like I remember uh, doing my mountaineering course in Chile, in mm-hmm. the northern ice cap of Chile, oh, and uh, I was so underprepared. I was mm-hmm. so underprepared. Mm-hmm. And then there were times when I would count in a day. At the end of the day, sitting in the tent, oh may I, you know, just escape death ten times today. Oh, I escape death like six times today. Oh, and then wow. you just, I was counting days and days, and I'm like. Dude, I'm going to run out of my luck 
at some point i'm going to break a lot of bones at some point potentially i'm going to die this is it this is you know kind of time to back off and go home mm. i remember crying that whole night next morning uh, going to my expedition leader and telling her hey jaya you know what i totally totally underestimated the course but more than that i totally underestimated the mountains mm. totally disrespected the mountains in some oh. sense yeah how was estimated my say. abilities big time mm-hmm. and kind of you know i need to go home i need to go home mm. i need to train harder i need to come back harder and something you know that has been my attitude for the last many years is that you train really really hard respect the mountains in the mm-hmm. sense again i'm not i don't want to attach human qualities or any certain qualities to the mountains but mm-hmm. just kind of be cognizant of the challenge in front of you mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then go prepared but i also do want to share a small story mm-hmm. this was from 2014 uh, and uh, there were two stories from 2015 mm-hmm. the very first time walk through a region called the khumbu icefall uh, this is uh, on everest and this is one of the most treacherous areas uh imagine mm. imagine you know a small city in mexico uh mm. imagine this entire city is made up of snow and ice now take the entire city and tilt it at an angle of about 35 degrees mm. make it such that the whole city moves down about 2 to 3 feet every day and oh, there are wow. all these big you know buildings and you know houses of snow and ice they can crash and fall down anytime Oh and that you have God. to kind of cross this 2 to 3 kilometer long section to mm-hmm. reach the next camp that is what khumbu icefall is mm-hmm. and that wow. every climber has to cross this many times while climbing everest and i still remember oh. first time ever in my life going through this section not knowing when i could die the next time because in next step there is a big block of ice that could fall on you the size of a car the size of a building and just kill you at any instant Oh, I think wow. for me it kind of was the first time in my life after the 2009 incident mm-hmm. where I actually just let go of my control I surrendered myself to the mountains doesn't mean that I kept my brain aside and I started walking mm-hmm. still means mm-hmm. that I used all my skill still means that i used all my situational awareness all my experience that in case something happened and then there would be chance to survive or save myself i would still do that mm-hmm. but at the same time i just said you know what i can't control my destiny or i can't control whether i'm going to be alive or that whether i'm going to die and that this control that i'm holding on to for a very long time this control just needs to go because that is not liberating me in my mind that is not allowing me to focus and enjoy this climb that this needs to go and during those 12 hours for the first time i was just let go of that control over my own life and i'm like this is it and i felt so liberated i mean it was probably one of the most kind of a revelation moments for me in my life um and kind of two weeks later when one of the largest earthquakes to hit nepal in a century happened mm-hmm. and that caused a gigantic avalanche to rip through the base camp i still remember i was bang in middle of the base camp and uh, kind of the avalanche uh, in front of me mm-hmm. from left of the sky to the right of the sky the entire sky was filled with just snow and ice as if a tsunami of snow and ice was in front of us 3 seconds away from us mm-hmm. and in that moment 
I didn't think that I was going to die. I was actually 100% certain that I was going to die. So while I kind of, you know, don't uh, believe in God or anything, I still said my prayers. I'm like, I'm done. This is it. <laughs> I had great 35 years of existence. And, uh, oh and I God. did what I could. I put in my best effort, uh, but this is it. This is how it's going to end. Uh-huh. And to then survive mm-hmm. a short death, uh, I think that definitely changed the perspective of life for me because since that day, every second that I have actually lived has been a bonus in some sense. Oh wow! And it has been a second chance truly mm-hmm. in some sense. So now I see life as something where I'm like, you know, look, not many people get a second chance. And now that I've got oh, the second true. chance, I can't be in some sense wasting it away. Mm-hmm. I, given that I lead a very privileged life, most of us do lead a privileged life. If we are sitting here on a Zoom call talking to each yeah, other. Very privileged. We're not worried about food on our table yeah. or you know, roofs on our head. Millions of people across the world have that problem. We don't have that problem. So in that sense, we are mm-hmm. all leading very privileged lives. Mm-hmm. And and if we are still kind of, you know, just I would not say wasting away. I'm not I'm no I'm no one to judge anyone else's life or what their situation is. But at least in my own perspective, in my own context, I thought if I am just, you know, sitting and not pursuing my dreams, not doing what I really love. Yes. I think it is like an insult to the second chance that I've gotten. So I agree. I, that's I how agree kind so of much. I thought about it. And, and and I'm just all I have is just gratitude. Mm-hmm. And I'm alive yeah. and that I get to lead this just as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. I yeah. I, I feel that's like awesome. that, that really right there. Because at the end of the day, if you're not grateful for what you have, like sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. It's a little bit of a delay on my end. The is frozen. So I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, it freeze up for a second. Yeah, it did freeze for a second. I don't know if y'all can hear me well or not, but basically what I was saying is that that really hits yes. home with me. And I know it really hits home with our message that we want to give out to people that, you know, if you're on Instagram mm-hmm. scrolling, you have privilege. You have the opportunity to. You've been blessed with so much opportunity to continue to strive and push for you know what you love to do and some people are afraid to because of you know society or because of their friends or their family or their mom and their dad and you know at the end of the day you really aren't living your own life you're living your life for someone else and that really does make me a little bit of like some sadness comes to me because I can see them striving and continuing to push for whatever they love to do and completing it because you have so much opportunity and it, it really is up to us. And I guess that really is our whole movement and really trying to show people, mm-hmm. you know, this really is one life and please live it for yourself and continue to be grateful mm-hmm. because that that's huge gratitude. The mm-hmm. attitude of gratitude yep. will always surpass any 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 feeling of doubt any feeling of just anger anything gratitude is wow i agree so much Mm -hmm. yeah yeah hello can you can you sorry there's a bit of a delay here yes okay yes sorry yeah it it freezes and then it loads and then it goes again yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, that's right but I know so, that, um, you know, I guess, 
Oh, you go ahead if you want. <laughs> Sorry, delay okay. on this. Well, my end. bad. It's because there's, de- there's delay, man. There's delay. Okay, so um, basically, what I wanted to ask now is uh, is with these stories, it, it's kind of hard for for me and maybe some of the audience to try and imagine how treacherous Mount Everest is. And so, I guess, could you give us some maybe some statistics, facts, or even personal experience mm-hmm. on on how serious on how serious Mount Everest is? Yes. So Please. kind of just going to break down a few uh, points. Uh, a uh, Mount Everest is at twenty nine thousand feet. The next time you take plane and the plane goes at cruise altitude, where the captain announces, "Now you can remove your seat belts." I think that height is oh, Everest wow. physically at, and that's where kind of we physically oh. climb, but not inside an airplane. Oh, wow. uh, the temperatures are the temperatures are of course you know it, there's too much wind, it's too cold. Yes, all of those things are there. Uh, it takes mm-hmm. about 60 days to climb this mountain. So it's not like wow. you just show up at the base camp and you climb to the top and you get down, go home. It's climbed in multiple stages. You have to mm-hmm. let your bodies adjust to the mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about 300, 350-odd people wow. have died climbing a mountain in the last few years. So not a lot of deaths, I would say, but... Uh, thousands of people have gotten injured mm-hmm. they have lost their fingers they have lost their toes they've gotten brain infections they've gotten mm-hmm. lung infections they have gotten all sorts of uh, trouble and um, i i think probably for me starting out from a place where i had zero background about mountaineering or zero background about fitness or zero background about anything like this mm-hmm. I think one line that hit really hard for me was my expedition leader's words. I still remember uh, in that October 2010 uh, expedition where I was visiting the base camp and I kind of fell in love with the base camp. Mm -hmm. I remember walking into uh, the dining tent that evening. uh, Mm -hmm. And on the right-hand side of the dining tent, there was this big wall. And then this big wall had a lot of pictures of dead climbers, climbers with hands amputated and feet oh. amputated and, and big holes in their cheeks and and terrible mm. accidents and I, I saw all these photos and I I like you know my expedition leader's name was Tim uh, a, a Canadian guide his name is Tim Rappel so I like turned to Tim and I'm like hey Tim do you want us to climb Everest like this doesn't seem like a great marketing strategy yeah. in some way <laughs> like, you're like, yeah. you, it's almost like you're trying to scare us off and you know like uh, say just go home and so Tim mm-hmm. you know said Kuntal to climb to the top of the world, you need a top of the world mind and you need a top of the world body. And if you are going to make any mistake, unfortunately, I will have to put your photo also on this wall. And I really, wow. really don't want you to be on this wall. So that kind of really hit me hard. And I realized, man, this is not like something that I can just, you know, think and now and, you know, maybe train for six months and go climb that mountain and... Mm-hmm. I trained for about five years before getting to the I continue to train all the time. Most good mountaineers train really, really hard. But um, mm-hmm. again, I, I, uh, for example, uh, I'll kind of, you know, share with you my summit night on the top mm-hmm. of Everest. Yeah. Uh, we had climbed for about 50 days. And this was uh, one of our last days when we were going to reach the top. We were at 26,000 feet. This is also called Camp 4 or South Coal on the Nepal side of the mountain. Mm-hmm. It is so cold, so cold here that it's called that you are on borrowed time. 
because you are in a zone which is known as the death zone about 26000 feet is a zone called the death zone and a lot of research has shown that human beings cannot adjust or acclimatize inside this zone which means that they are closer to their death rather than to their life so you literally wow, sneak into this zone spend a few hours get to the top get back down and get the heck out of this zone as fast as you can yeah wow because 150 dead bodies inside this zone itself you don't want to add mm. to that number you want mm. to come back you know alive to your family mm. so mm. i remember being a year and one by one all our team members left uh, i was the expedition team leader the official expedition team leader and my sherpa guide uh, his name is mingma tenji sherpa uh, he was the expedition big boss and generally from my at least my attitude of leadership has always been that leaders always first ensure that the team is taken care of and then they kind of always leave the last a lot of people will say you lead from the front but i kind of think you know it a little differently in different context so after my entire team had left they were all well fed with a, you know particular individual guides me and mingma started walking but mingma quickly said pointed out one problem we don't have any water and i'm mm. like mingma without water oh between gosh. the two of us we are not going to survive a night of about 20 hours worth of walking burning close to 15000 calories 15000 calories for uh, any normal person is about 7 days worth of food that you have to eat and that will burn yeah. in just 20 hours round mm. trip so oh i'm like mingma we are not going to survive without a liter of water just to make 1 liter of water we had to dig ice we had to dig snow in minus 30 degrees celsius at 26000 feet where there's 30% oxygen from sea level and it took about 45 minutes to just create half a liter of icy cold water and that half liter of icy cold water just so that it did not turn into ice we put it into like two thick socks put it in our you know bags we started walking facing at that altitudes um mm-hmm. and while uh, this is not something i am always happy about but uh, i mean living in big cities we are really really uh, kind of accustomed to running into traffic jams when we are driving on the, on the streets mm-hmm. and everything but mm-hmm. there are traffic jams that even happen on everest and these traffic jams can actually kill you oh wow yeah uh, i got stuck in a traffic jam of 4 hours where i was stuck behind a long line of about 50 climbers who were walking really really slow and imagine you are stuck behind this you know train of climbers that are really slow you have a certain amount of oxygen you have a certain amount of pace that you want to keep mm-hmm. and then you are just wasting away oxygen waiting behind them so many mm-hmm. miscalculations happening anything even you know if it goes off by like even just slight it means you know you mm-hmm. could die or you could get into some trouble on this mountain so actually we were able to kind of uh, overtake a lot of these people uh, deploy certain different strategies to kind of get uh, across them finally making it to the top after 12 hours of climbing uh, but again uh, it's just crazy 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 experience all over in so many expeditions so many failures so many successes just overall mm-hmm. journey is is you know what i'm in love with yeah. everyone loves getting on the top who doesn't mm-hmm. who, you know when you achieve the biggest dream of your life who doesn't love it everyone loves it but yeah. i think very few people actually fall in love with the process and very few people actually love the process and and are willing to repeat it over and over again but anyway mm-hmm. don't want to digress too much but 
that's mm-hmm. some a little bit about Everest. Wow. No, yeah, that that right there is just an it's an insane journey, honestly. And uh, I guess I'm also curious about how do you train for something mm-hmm. this this insane? Like how like what does a training regimen look like, uh, both in terms of physical, mental, uh, the diet? Like where where do you start with all this, and how has this journey? Uh, where did this journey in the training start? Yes. For me, it started somewhere around uh, October of 2010 when I kind of made up my mind that I had to climb Everest. And before mm-hmm. that, I was climbing in the mountains and I was doing a whole bunch of small hikes here and there to kind of keep myself fit. Mm-hmm. But October 2010 is when I was like, got really serious about this. I want to climb to the top, and I'm going to put in a plan in place. I'm going to follow that plan. I'm going to show up day in day out. Um, to quickly break down the physical fitness mm. bit, uh, for me, it was divided into three aspects. One being cardiovascular mm. endurance. Second being ensuring that there was enough uh, kind of strength training uh, or I would say ensuring that there's enough muscle on my body that it's mm. not uh, in any negative way, uh, you know, impacting my journey. Like if I am, if I have less muscle, then chances of getting injured are higher. If I have more muscle, then I have, you know, slightly opposite problem because muscle requires a lot of oxygen to mm. uh, kind of uh, sustain and work and there's lack of oxygen on the mountain. So kind of a good mm. balance in terms of strength training and then also working a bit more on my conditioning in terms of my uh, heart conditioning and, and all of those things. Uh, cardiovascular training, typically what I tell people is do what you really enjoy doing. A mm-hmm. uh, mm. lot of people do things that they generally just don't enjoy doing. And if, and that is okay. If let's say you don't have access, I have access to great mountains where I live. So I, I can, I have access to going and hiking as my primary activity in terms of building cardiovascular endurance, but someone may be living near, uh, uh, you know, sea and not have any mountains, they just not have an opportunity to go and hike, yeah. but they still need to build the fitness. So then they need to do a certain activity that they may not enjoy doing, but then they need to do that. Mm-hmm. You just need to figure out what you enjoy the best and then do it because that's what's going to be sustainable longer term. Something that I tell repeatedly to everyone that do things only that are sustainable for the rest of your life. Don't, you know, fall into these fads or, uh, you know, things that you're never going to kind of do it after two years or three years. Mm-hmm. Something oh, that you can do it for the rest of your life. Yeah. In diet, in exercise, in anything. Mm-hmm. Any, any other thing is in life. So that's kind of, you know, one of my mindsets. Uh, and again, there's no magic trick here. Mm-hmm. I think if you're asking me what a magic trick is or what that magic pill is, it is consistency, discipline, oh. showing up day in, day out, not for just days, weeks or months, but for multiple years and in most cases, decades. Oh wow! If you can do that, if you cannot, if you just, you know, don't get injured, which will help you stay consistent and disciplined. And then if you stay patient, you will see the results. Most people mm. simply are pay- not patient enough. They can't, they can't fathom their life in decades. When I explain to someone, imagine you are just going to the gym as a newbie. And I'm going to take a very simple example of a, a movement called the deadlift. Imagine if you can deadlift 30 kgs today, which is very, very simple. Most, most good fit people should be able to deadlift that much very easily. Mm-hmm. Now imagine if you have one year on your hand, one year has 52 weeks. If you are going to just deadlift 50 sessions a year, that is one session a week. 
and every session if you can just improve by 2 kilos that's it i'm saying 2 kilos that is 5 pounds 5 mm-hmm. pounds improvement a single session mm-hmm. that is 200 pounds by the end of year that oh, means wow. you literally went from deadlifting 30 kilos to 130 kilos at the end of the year now look at this in terms of decades of course the progress is not going to be this linear right that's not how it works as you get more and more advanced your progress may kind of you know become slower and slower but imagine if you do this for 10 years and even if you just gain 20 kgs a year 10 into yep. 20 is 200 mm-hmm. kgs on your deadlift that is you went mm-hmm. from 130 kg deadlift to 330 kg deadlift that is literally an elite deadlifter on the planet you could literally be winning medals in big competitions but most yeah. people simply cannot fathom 10 years worth of effort they just mm-hmm. can't see that long they all of them want quick solutions oh but i i saw on the internet that video of uh, abs in 22 days <laughs> you can't get abs in 22 days that's not how it works mm-hmm. it is a long term effort there is dedicated effort that you have गारंटी <laughs> Yes, of course. Yeah. You know, a good, a smartly designed physical fitness program will probably get you that level of fitness in three, four years. But even a shitty program will give you fitness. It's just people don't. Yeah. People are just looking for that next great program, that next great supplement, that oh. next great, you know, bo- you know, magic bullet. They are yeah. missing mm-hmm. the fact that consistency and discipline is the mm-hmm. magic bullet, and that's going to mm-hmm. get you there anyway, where you want to get. So. Mm-hmm. Wow. i kind of you know that is the mentality that i used and uh, and with diet uh, i am a vegan so mm-hmm. uh, i i you know i don't eat any animal products or i don't wear mm-hmm. any animal products or animal by products in that sense mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. and while veganism is not a diet dietary choice for me for me veganism is an ethical choice and so dietary choice is just a kind of a consequence to my ethical choice it's not mm-hmm. hey i am a vegan by diet i'm not a vegan by diet if i was mm-hmm. not climbing everest i would just be happy eating whatever vegan food was available and i would not be complaining that it's not nutritious you know it has this problem it has that problem no it's yeah. an ethical choice i'm just you know going to be a vegan you know from every aspect as much as i can so mm-hmm. in terms of diet uh, i would say that uh, i thought that it's going to be tricky because a lot of people in the mountaineering community had a lot of pushback when i said that i want to climb everest as a vegan they said it has never been done before never been and oh, wow. that initially put me under some sort of you know self doubts man if like 10 15 20 people some of the authorities in the mountaineering world are saying that it can't be done maybe there's some truth to it but then i'm also someone who kind of comes from this mindset that you know what i'm going to try anyway Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work, then I don't need to do this. I can find another dream which can be done, and I will do it. And I can say one thing for sure: is that in the last ten years, vegan diet has been the least of my problems. Mm. Least of my mm. problems. It's like if I have to, you know, create like a list of hundred problems that you know, bo- like 
had you know me thinking or you know scratching my head on everest veganism would not even be 101st problem so oh, it was you know that level of you know uh, like like no one had done it and people thought it can't be done mm. imagine a guy like me who has no athletic background who has no genetic disposition heck actually is genetically in a worse situation because my 1000 years of my ancestry comes from people who have been obese and unhealthy suddenly you know i'm standing up and saying hey we'll do the yeah. most opposite thing on the planet mm-hmm. so again all odds stacked against me and yet i am able to climb everest not just once but twice yeah. on a vegan diet twice. yes it had to be a well planned well researched yes, well yes. balanced vegan diet i did train i did everything i could i worked hard i did every of those things mm-hmm. but what i'm trying to say here is if mm. i can do it every human on this planet can achieve the biggest dreams of their life without having to wear or eat mm. any animal Agreed. i am 100% convinced yeah. of that including mm-hmm. winning an olympic gold medal or becoming an elite powerlifter or doing anything mm. in the world because i'm just extrapolating right if me without genetic gift can do mm. this then imagine a person who can win an olympic medal with that level of genetic gift mm. they can definitely win that medal without eating or harming or you know exploiting animals wow. i am i'm i'm 100% convinced about this you have to be mm-hmm. smart about it you have to design your diet you have to ensure that you are understand the limitations and that you work around that that you take those into account and not be too dogmatic about it like a lot of vegans uh, overall bigger bigger vegan community i also see that there is a lot of dogma around mm. hey just eat plants just eat whatever just eat vegan junk food and you will you know <laughs> climb to the top of everest no it doesn't work that mm. that's not how you know it is so mm. i think kind of you know moving beyond the dogma working and properly planning and executing the diet not very very difficult very very you know doable if i can do it anyone can do it mm-hmm. and then putting in the hard work in terms of training and experience and building that base and getting to the top of your mm-hmm. dreams very doable yeah. you just need to put in the wow. effort wow yeah i love that yeah no i completely agree with that as well cuz we we are fellow vegans as well so you know we're on this movement we we you know we've done our research and you know we try to push it as much as we can to these people so you know they can start to understand it because we agree so much with the movement and i guess mm-hmm. that could lead into just how long have you been vegan and at what point did you decide it to be vegan so i've now been a vegan for 19 years uh, mm-hmm. and uh, having been born and brought up in a vegetarian family mm-hmm. i was always exposed mm-hmm. to the compassion angle in terms of animal rights mm-hmm. because i remember asking my parents when i was a kid why don't we eat any eggs or why don't we eat any meat like i have seen some of my friends do that but why don't we do that and Ooh. i remember my parents explaining in india you have cow walking all over everywhere mm-hmm. you know you can just see them wherever you want to mm-hmm. so yeah. i remember my mom pointing out to a cow passing by with her uh, small calf and my mom said look they are a family they feel pain they feel sadness they feel joy they feel love they feel every emotion that we as humans feel mm-hmm. while we may think that we are a little smarter than them but other than you know that kind of angle that we think that we are smarter than them in in every sense kind of you know we have the same emotions that we feel 
and if we are not eating other human families or if we are not killing other human families then why would we kill other animal families and eat them and consume them mm-hmm. so that is the kind of you know mindset i grew up with and then i shifted mm-hmm. to los angeles uh, to pursue my masters degree uh, and i was living there and one of my roommates who mm-hmm. was an ethical vegetarian oh. today i feel ethical vegetarian is an oxymoron because you can't be ethical and and still a vegetarian it just does not kind of you know <laughs> gel really well i agree uh, but <laughs> he kind of pointed out to my consumption of eggs like let's say i would i would eat a snickers bar and you know it had egg whites in them or for example i would wear a leather belt or a leather jacket and he would say why are you wearing leather belt and leather jacket and i'm like what's the problem in a snickers bar or a jacket or eating an ice cream with eggs in them and he's like here here is you know some uh, peta videos of the cruelty in the dairy industry cruelty in the egg industry cruelty mm-hmm. in the leather industry and as i started doing the research i kind of connected the dots that there is really no difference between a piece of meat a glass of milk a block of cheese or for that matter eggs or for that matter leather or for that matter down or for that matter wool or anything that comes from an animal and it is all the same it at the end of the day it all comes from abused slaughtered and exploited animals mm-hmm. and i and it was such a shock to me because as a vegetarian and someone who thought of himself as a compassionate person i suddenly couldn't reconcile between the fact that my compassionate thoughts are completely in disconnection with my cruel actions as a vegetarian mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i'm like man this has to change and i did some research and i realized that right away what i can do is from a personal standpoint is that i can go vegan that is mm. i control what goes in my mouth and what goes on my body these two mm. things are 100% under my control and as a privileged person i can most definitely control this i'm not talking yeah. about you know an eskimo living somewhere in northern canada in minus 60 degrees celsius and not having access to any food and they are potentially mm. hunting and you know subsisting in those kind of you know regions i'm not talking yeah. about that i'm talking about a person who's living in the city is doing a good job is making mm-hmm. has money in the bank affords and it's still not you know cheap costlier things it's still just you know affording vegetables fruits and you know basic uh, things that can kind of you know yeah. keep you going and i thought man these two things i control and i am going to control and i am going to be a vegan from today and mm-hmm. it was like in the night i decided i'll be a vegan from the next morning i was a vegan i remember mm. kind of going uh-huh. through my entire pantry go, going through every entire wardrobe and every non vegan thing i collected i put it in into a shopping basket and i there was i i lived in santa monica and there was a community center near my place so I just went mm. and i kind of donated everything to i said look i don't want this to go waste i don't want to trash this you can take mm. whatever you want and from that on moment onwards i was a vegan while i could have used all of these things to the end of life i kind of thought I, this is one very big decision of my life in that sense mm-hmm. i want to kind of start afresh with mm-hmm. uh, veganism started mm-hmm. and and i still think connecting the dots and becoming empathetic with the vegan cause or with the animals mhm allowed me to look back into me and fix a lot of other problems or a lot of other mindset issues that i had or a lot of other toxic mm-hmm. thinking that i had 
in terms of probably sexism or in terms of uh, you know phobia around lgbtq or in mm. terms of you know things like casteism or a whole bunch of things mm. that i really had never addressed as a human being but mm. all this kind of and i'm not saying any of this happened happened overnight it took a long mm. time i had to yeah. go on a journey because i kind of looked at this in some sense of an oppression of an entire species i was kind of able to connect it to what other oppressive mindsets were there within me and then work on each one of them slow and steadily and kind of i think at the end of the day we all kind of aspire to be better versions of ourselves and to kind of become just better human beings more just human beings more ethical human beings that's always the aspiration but we are always all a work in progress so that was kind of really you know like a great 7 8 year introspection phase where i went on an unlearning and then a relearning journey and reversing mm. a lot of toxic shit in my life and believe me i in some ways when you know people you know i i tell people that veganism changed my life and they they all are like how can eating a broccoli change your life and i'm like <laughs> kind of you know you are connecting veganism to eating broccoli i think it is a lot deeper than that in some yeah, sense definitely so i i think for me veganism did change my life uh, it, it mm-hmm. probably has been the single biggest event that like has given a impact to my life in terms so yeah mm-hmm. that that was my vegan journey Wow. No yeah that that's amazing and uh the way you speak on veganism and everything I aspire to be that way I want to seeing your posts and everything on Instagram I mm-hmm. now aspire to be more vocal about it and just share this movement because it really is a movement of, like you said it's it's not only reducing harm but it yeah. it it's interconnected to a lot of the of the systematic beliefs that we have based around certain communities or people so it's definitely a a huge part of what we want to push out there yeah and no, uh, it- and I know yeah No, no, no. I was going to say yeah, it, re- it really is, yeah. especially I remember when we first went vegan and how passionate I was yeah. about how speaking out and really wanting to educate people because that that's really what the baseline is. People they just don't know and people they're not aware and you know, we we do want to be that voice to educate people to, you know, make them want to slowly plant seeds in their mind maybe they individually go and do research on their own so i don't know if you have any like any podcast any documentaries any like youtube videos books that you would recommend to someone that's interested and like things they should do mm. once first integrating into the veganism diet or lifestyle i would say it is lifestyle uh, i i think uh, in terms of if you want to kind of read a book Uh, I just recently read a book uh, called Think Like a Vegan. Mm. Uh, it's mm. a book by a friend called Emmy. Uh, it's mm. available across the world now. You can purchase it. I think probably one of one of those books which is very non-judgmental mm-hmm. and gives a very balanced and a very nuanced perspective of veganism and a lot of complicated topics around veganism because. kind of some people just boil down veganism to diet or some people just boil down veganism to social justice or so mm. many you know specific things but this is kind of taking a much broader perspective around veganism mm-hmm. and making us think in terms of there were so many things that i had never even thought about as a vegan 
about mm-hmm. its connections to so many kind of uh, movements uh, i would suggest anyone wanting a new vegan a long term vegan even like you know a vegan uh, who's maybe questioning their uh, veganism or anything just go kind of read this uh, book i think it's a pretty good book uh, and in mm-hmm. terms of podcasts uh, frankly speaking i haven't really followed a lot of vegan podcasts but i know mm-hmm. that uh there is a podcast called the plant proof podcast uh mm-hmm. i don't know if you follow this it's a very science and uh, evidence based podcast around vegan Ooh. nutrition so uh, you could potentially kind of uh, if someone is really interested in scientific information like this only bit for veganism like soy is bad for you and uh, a whole bunch of things that you know uh, protein uh, myths or things like you can't get enough micronutrition from the diet and those kind of things mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so lot of uh, myth busting in in these podcasts but i would kind of think um, as long as you are eating a generally balanced diet where you are not mm-hmm. unnecessarily cutting out any food group and i do mm-hmm. not consider animals a food group so a lot of people mm-hmm. question, you know tell me that hey as a nutrition coach you recommend that no one cut out food groups but i'm like but animals are not food groups insects mm-hmm. are not food groups you can't be yeah. you know thinking of animals as food groups or insects as food group they are you know like that sentient beings so mm-hmm. yes, you know kind of in that sense just within the vegan uh, world don't exclude any foods eat a balanced diet mm-hmm. uh, you know balance it out with some junk food here and there so that you can <laughs> still you know kind of enjoy be able to kind of you know just be yeah enjoy and be a normal part of the society and like you know yeah. not just overly you know get into disordered eating behavior just mm, eat regular yeah. normal vegan diet eat a healthy vegan diet and you'll be fine you won't have to overthink any of this that's mm-hmm. true when it comes to like you and clients and people that you want to coach how do you go into helping them like what's the mentality you try to do when you help a new client uh look my biggest thing for the new clients is something where most of them come to me hey i want to lose weight hey mm-hmm. i want to look great hey i want to kind of you know lead a quality life i want to become healthier i want to become fitter most of the times that are always their goals and my help because as i am a nutrition coach so mm-hmm. i look at their existing diet i look at their existing life Mm-hmm. and my idea for them is always to teach them healthier habits over a period of time it's it's like you know a lot of times they come with the mindset that i have to diet mm-hmm. that i'm going to diet for 6 months then i'm going to get leaner i'm going to get that beach body <laughs> and then after that i'm just you know going to eat whatever i want mm-hmm. and that's how they're always thinking and my mindset is that no you are not on a diet you mm-hmm. are going to be eating a certain way and at the end of this program maybe you are just going to eat a little more of that mm-hmm. that's about mm-hmm. it you have to figure out mm-hmm. a sustainable lifestyle that you can kind of stick to for the rest of your life and kind of yeah. get them away from this mindset of good and bad foods because mm-hmm. the world is filled with advice this is good this is bad this is good this is bad in the moment you eat something mm-hmm. bad you feel guilty about it oh i am so guilty i ate a donut now you know what oh man this like they are so much overthinking they're in this vicious cycle tomorrow i'm mm. going to do a 4 hour workout to burn this donut and they do that 4 hour workout and they 
and they are so so like feeling like shit that they eat two donuts, and then they just get into this vicious cycle of next day six hour workout, three donuts, eight hour workouts, and then they burn out and they never you know diet again in their life, and it, mm. it's just too much disordered eating, too much. complicating their lives and my idea always to them is simplify your life focus on just eating a balanced diet focus mm-hmm. on you know eating portion controlled sizes according to mm-hmm. what your energy needs are sleep well exercise well stay active through the day yep. stay hydrated mm-hmm. simple fundamental things get mm-hmm. them in order you will see great progress and every mm-hmm. single client of mine who has actually been able to put their life on order has seen results and mm-hmm. everyone who is you know in like trying out the shorter hacks is struggling and something mm-hmm. that i repeatedly kind of coach them with is that think about it not in this hey i have engaged services of kuntal for 6 months you know i'm going to be so motivated for these 6 months because i paid all this money that now i'm going to go and you know do all this stuff and i'm like no mm-hmm. What about after six months? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you lose ten kilos, you'll gain back all the ten kilos in three months. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah. it can't be this. Mm-hmm. So too many people depend on motivation, and my idea is, motivation is a very inconsistent emotion. Mm-hmm. Motivation is a very temporary emotion. Please do not use motivation to get by. Mm-hmm. Show up, love the process, and put in the work despite the lack of motivation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because motivation is not going to take you for far and you know long. So just show up, do the work, and do it because you are investing in your own health, own fitness, own body, own everything. That's what yeah. I teach them. So yeah, no magic pills, no magic supplements. They all are expecting mm-hmm. one, but no magic pill, no supplements here. Just long drawn yeah. good habit building process. Yeah. They say habit can be built in twenty one days. I totally disagree. I have never been able to build a habit in twenty one days. It takes much longer. so mm-hmm. i would personally suggest mm-hmm. that just begin go through the entire journey build good habits and when you kind of you know exit the program the mm-hmm. idea is still to kind of use those habits for the rest of your life yes and you would not yes. require me you don't need kuntal kuntal is your coach if after 6 months you still need kuntal then it was really a failure on kuntal's part in some way mm. wow mm. wow I'm 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 loving all this energy and I I'm feeling it through this screen because it's it's so amazing and I can tell you're you're really passionate about helping these people and showing them right like good habits and really wanting to just improve their life for the better and I really do admire that and it really does inspire me as well to continue striving and wanting to do better so when someone yeah. say me right now a new client going into your program obviously we don't want to give all the details cuz you have to go you have to go get the program but when when you go in like what's the <laughs> what what's like the first thing you like to do with a client like what's the something that you like to maybe like preface before we get into it uh most of the times i generally look i am a nutrition coach so i'm not like a dietitian like i'm mm-hmm. not someone who's going to give you a meal plan and hey eat this at 10 o'clock hey eat this oh, at 12 o'clock hey eat this at 1 yeah. o'clock and it, it's just i look at you know certain of these plans that my clients are following and i'm like from 6 in the morning to 11 in the night you are spending all your time in the kitchen getting stressed all day long just trying to you know follow what your dietitian has said 
Mm-hmm. And I look at this and I'm like, man, this is not happening in my program. Chuck this nonsense. Simplify mm-hmm. your life. Eat according to when you want to eat. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. no right or wrong time to eat. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, figure out a good time to eat in your day. Get good meals. Uh, get good sleep. Get good steps. You know, stay active. Get good workouts in. So I kind of, you know, look at where their life is currently. And then slowly, piece by piece, get them on track. So most of the times, it will always start with meals. Because mm-hmm. I truly believe that a lot of the times, most of my clients want to achieve fat loss. Mm-hmm. And fat mm-hmm. loss generally is kickstarted from meals or Kitchen. from nutrition. Uh, slowly in terms of activity and then slowly in terms of workouts and slowly in terms of just overall life. But initially, it starts with meal and understanding what your requirements are and understanding what healthier meals are, what balanced meals are. Most of them are just eating imbalanced meals. Most of them are just eating terrible meals. They think they are eating great healthy food. And the moment mm-hmm. I look at their food, I'm like, this is just not healthy. You're just missing out on so many crucial ingredients in your diet. And so kind of, I work with them, I coach them to kind of resolve all those issues And then once they are good in terms of track with their diet, then I bring in the next piece. Then I bring in the next piece. Slow and steady, the first few weeks, we get to a reasonable point where they start seeing some progress. And I think Mm -hmm. once they see some progress, it's already a good enough driver for, you know, their future kind of plan. Because once you see that progress happening in yourself, like, wow, whatever I'm doing is working. And then they kind of trust the process as well. Because otherwise, it's really harder to trust the process. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That makes total sense, yeah. Mario, do you have uh, any more questions before we turn to our audience? I do have, I do have one more question. I, I know that Perfect. you speak about trusting the process. And that makes me like, I, I was reading one of your most recent captions on Instagram and I took a little quote from it. You know, you said through Everest and the journey of the last decade, I went from Kuntal 1.0 to Kuntal 2.0 and it's time to focus on building Kuntal 3.0 this decade. Like, could you give us a little bit more of a context on that? Because I know that that is like an amazing mentality you have because it's just like continuously trusting the process and working on yourself and seeing, you know, I did this. Now it's time to keep doing this and this and this. Look, when I started the journey uh, of Everest, I had no idea what was in store for me. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what's going to happen. But now when I look back upon that Kuntal from 2009, I don't even remember who that Kuntal is. Yeah. I don't think I recognize that guy. In uh-huh. some sense, if I have to hang out with that guy, I don't even think I would hang out with that guy. That's how <laughs> different I am today as a human being. Wow. And oh, wow. and I, I think the idea, a lot of this is, you know, just kind of inferring uh, in hindsight because I didn't know what was uh, what I was doing. When I started Everest, I'm like, it's all new for me. I'm going in this on, on this journey where I'm going outside the comfort zone this decade-long journey, who knows what's going to happen? I didn't even know if it was going to be a decade-long journey. Heck, mm-hmm. I thought I, w- I may just give up in first six months and just continue along, you know, the regular Kuntal 1.0 path. I didn't know mm-hmm. if I was going to build the Kuntal 2.0. So I think a lot of this is on hindsight. And now that I've learned that legitimately you can go from like one guy to literally the opposite guy. And it is yes. possible to do it. 
yes now yeah. i know that i can even go further and it said once you have done it you know you can do it again mm-hmm. and wow oh. so in some sense uh i'm never going to be perfect and i know that i'm never going to be perfect and i don't want to be perfect but mm-hmm. at the end of the day i also want to aspire perfection but i focus on progress mm-hmm. so constant progress through the rest of the life maybe with some aspiration of perfection but maybe you not even perfection i think perfection is not the right word but just progress all the time and that progress mm-hmm. could also mean that i'm failing and i'm taking a step back that is still progress in my opinion a lot of mm-hmm. people think that is you know not progress i think that is also progress in the grand scheme of things so yep. now i'm you know i'm doing something different uh, the mm-hmm. kuntal from 1.0 to 2.0 took a certain journey and now i am taking a different journey in aspiration that i'll be creating that kuntal 3.0 i don't know what that 3.0 is mm-hmm. but wherever i land up in the next 10 years i will be my 3.0 idea is the same take risk go outside the comfort zone take on a lot of challenges do things that i have always thought that i can't do that do, mm-hmm. do they are really impossible for me try them fail try them again just you know go through this process and yes. see where i get mm-hmm. yeah yes i love Perfect. that i love that i guess now yeah. we can lead on to you know just some rapid fire questions from you know just people that are watching and i we can end it mm-hmm. with that harvey does that sound good with you yeah yeah that sounds perfect to me so you want me to go and start off with our Yeah, you, you you can go ahead and start off, and then after yours, I'll lead into mine. Perfect. Okay, so one of the questions we have here is, uh, what is one of the most energizing snacks that you like to take on on a climb? Oh, uh, what is the most energizing snack? So one of the things that I take on most of my climbs, and what I do is I fill them inside my jacket pockets, uh, is dates and dried figs. So dried dates Ooh. and dried figs. these are entirely almost 100% carbs and mm. uh, anyone who wants to become an endurance athlete carbs are your best friend like they are literally your number one best friend mm-hmm. eat everything that is carbs and you will never have to worry about running out of energy on the mountain so what i do is i like take ton of dates and i ensure that they are deseeded before because if mm. in minus 40 degrees you are like you know removing the seed of the date mm. best of luck to you you are going to be struggling big yeah. time so deseeded dates and dried figs or you know there are a lot of energy bars available in the market that are made from uh, dried fruits especially mm-hmm. raisins and dates and figs and a whole bunch of these things so maybe you know just uh, taking one of those bars and just removing the outer cover and like just stuffing them in your uh, jacket pockets and then mm. so that they are just easier access if you are kind of standing on like a 60 degree wall mm-hmm. and you are still hungry and you want to get something and you just remove your jacket you know you just eat it put it back in and you're done you kind of you know just keep climbing so that's that's one of my favorite snacks by wow. far perfect. awesome perfect okay you want me to hit him with another one mario or do you hit got him with another one, one and then I'll, I'll all right up. perfect all right perfect i'll just finish mine here so uh another one that we got is uh well earlier you said you don't really like uh the idea of motivation because it's a very temporary emotion it's a base progress on motivation is kind of doesn't work out but Either way, the question says, "How do you keep yourself motivated?" 
good point uh, <laughs> and, and, so i'll repeat i don't depend on motivation but for me my dreams drive my sense of purpose every day when i wake up every day i don't need that motivation because my dream needs me to every day needs me to train hard needs me to you know be the best version yeah. of myself and i used to be very dream and goal driven but i think as i'm progressing in this journey i'm realizing that there'll be times where i may just not have dreams in my life and it is okay mm. to you know be in that state but then mm. when you don't have dreams in life how are you going to show up then so i think mm. now i'm kind of you know moving away from this mindset of having that dream overarching dream that is kind of you know just driving you mm-hmm. my biggest dream of my life is now to just be the best version of myself every day which means mm. i no longer have this dream of hey kuntal i'm climbing this mountain hey kuntal i'm going to be a bodybuilder and you know uh, go on stage or hey kuntal i want to be a powerlifter or hey kuntal i want to you know do this crazy thing mm-hmm. nope mm. not doing that not attaching those yes, yes those will still be part of my life but mm-hmm. when i wake up in the morning i am like by the end of this day i want to do just one thing that is you know going to take me closer to becoming the best version of myself that's it mm. that's all oh, and then you just awesome. show up put in the effort go go in dedicated you know yes we all procrastinate we all waste time sometimes we, we all mm. do that we all have our phases but through all that remember that just even if one thing you have done that's slightly different than than what you have done before that's still you know adding up adding up adding up and compounding and compounding And at the end of 10 years you suddenly realize man now i'm deadlifting 400 kilos this is freaking insane yeah mm. so mm. kind of you know just that mindset of consistency every day mm-hmm. rather than hey every 6 months i'm going to hit a home run heck no i don't mm. want to do that just every day mm. you know just you know cross one pitch right why do you want to hit a home run every 6 months yeah, yeah. Just, you know keep doing yeah. you know the hard work just you know you know that small work and then suddenly you would have won the game Mm-hmm. rather than you know always depending on that one lucky home run which may not even mm-hmm. happen that's yep. very true yeah well, cons- yeah consistency consistency is definitely key then and uh another question here is uh what are your daily practices like what daily habits do you incorporate uh i think one of the things that i do some something that i have uh, spoken about in past is that there are things that i don't enjoy doing because mm-hmm. i'm so passion driven and so dream driven there are things that i don't enjoy doing and i am a big procrastinator in those areas and so i am working on addressing that issue because look if there is this lag you know let's say you are doing a a chest press a uh, lot of people think why do you need to you know work on your bicep for you know doing your chest press chest press is a compound movement and every muscle is going to get engaged in that every bit you know helps in kind of pushing that weight if there is a lagging muscle it's going to you know kind of down on your performance yes i am great at you know doing all these other things but if i am you know lagging behind in you know finishing certain mundane tasks mm. of my life which have to be done like paying bills or you know just showing up and work and getting you know whatever work done so that i can make money and you know just doing a lot of those things mm. and having some amount of passion or having drive to finish those things irrespective of whether you are motivated or this irrespective of whether it's connected to your dreams mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. doing those things i am procrastinating in those things so i am working on kind of fixing that and for that what i do is every morning i do create like a to do list for myself 
because if it's just climbing everest i don't have to do anything i know what the to do list is it's just ingrained yeah. in my mind your body wakes yeah. up and it's like on this autopilot when it's want, when it wants to climb everest but when that is not the case you still need to you know like be able to kind of uh, fix that you know lagging part in yeah. your kind of overall scheme of things so i am using smaller to do lists to kind of you know mm-hmm. just check mark through the day hey i've gotten this done hey i've gotten this done hey i've gotten this done i have responded yeah. to this person i have reached out to this person this was you know the bug fix that i had to make today i have kind mm-hmm. of you know taken care of this mm-hmm. and so like mm-hmm. kind of at the end of the day i look at my sheet and i'm like great you know 90% checks so i'm improving mm. you know day by day like i'm yeah. so that is you know kind of one practice that i have kind of gotten into my day and then there are mm-hmm. certain other things that i do i know that i need to I just know what I need to do in those cases. Mm-hmm. But with these certain, you know, tasks where I I struggle, I need to put in some structure in place and and a plan in place. I think once you have that plan and structure, there is a chance that potentially you will execute on that. It doesn't mm-hmm. guarantee that you will execute, but without a plan, you are definitely not executing it. You definitely not execute. At least that's, that's how true. you know my experience has been. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, no, I completely and, agree. And uh, I have a. I you, oh. the last, the last. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I have one the, last question here. Okay, you you so, go ahead. This one right here is uh for six for six. No, you're good. So for success in any area, what advice do you have for those who want to achieve more? Oh, um, that's a good one. I, I think again just. banking upon my journey uh, i'll kind of say find your everest number one i think without mm. even knowing what your everest is what are you running after or what are you trying to pursue or what are you trying to climb if you don't yeah. even know and you are clueless so find your everest put a plan in place uh, do find the hard work everest. there are no shortcuts to the top mm-hmm. uh, there's going to be whole bunch of challenges there's going to be whole bunch of adversities along the way uh walk through them mm-hmm. at the end of the day don't give up because there'll be a lot of times in this journey where mentally you will be ready to you know throw in the towel like you know i'm done this yeah. is it let's mm-hmm. turn around go home uh don't give up believe me two instances that are on the mountain when i have decided that i i should go home and almost turned around before continuing actually i was like ha- half an hour and an hour away from the top and i know for a fact from my journey that any time you are very very closer to giving up after putting in mm-hmm. all the effort trusting mm-hmm. the process doing everything believe me just last bit more and and if mm. you don't give up you'll get there and yes. i think at the end yes. of the day and think the little freeze Yeah, it's, it's frozen. Well, while it's frozen, I guess we can speak for a little bit. Oh, it came back now. There it is. There it is. Can you hear us? Um, I don't know if we can We can't hear you on our end. This is what happens guys. I hope you know we are in three different countries. I want you to understand that. 
So yeah. you can you can cut us a little bit of some yeah. slack. We are in three different countries. Yeah. So yeah, I've expected. Yeah, it's very much expected. And I guess it really did end abruptly, maybe just because of internet connection. So I mean I guess we can end it right now. Mm. Oh, there he is actually. It's yeah, perfect. So we can get a proper outro here. Yes, yeah, perfect. Now we can. I think it's I think it's your mic is muted on our end. Oh, there can you is. hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. Awesome. Yes. Awesome, awesome. I do have perfect. some some questions as well. Sure. Okay. I just um someone asked what is one of the hardest obstacles while climbing Everest? Um, I think I'm going to answer this from the north side because I've climbed both south and north sides. Oh, so wow. I'm going to take this from a north side of Everest. So mm-hmm. north side of Everest at around 28,500 feet, there's a, a big rock wall, which is known as the second step. This is the 40 feet tall rock wall, almost like about three stories. And it's almost like 90 wow. degrees. Wow. And uh, the Chinese have installed ladders, aluminum ladders on this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, I still remember getting below the second step. And there were four people ahead of me. And they were slightly inexperienced climbers. And they took 45 minutes in minus 35 degrees cold to just cross a small 10 feet section. And I was, you know, waiting wow. behind wow. them. My fingers were so cold, so cold. That is, you know, one of the time, the, out of the two times in my entire 10-year journey, that was the first time when I was ready to give up. Not because oh, I didn't wow. have the power, not because, you know, I did not have anything, but because mm-hmm. I had gotten so cold waiting behind someone. And I'm like, man, this is so frustrating. I should just go home from here. And uh, luckily, you know, when my turn came, I was able to not take, you know, that much time. I was, you know, able to finish that section in about Uh uh, 10 minutes or so. But it it is a very, very tricky section, uh, very exposed. I think if you fall off from there, they would never find your dead body ever. You would, you know, just like be like, you know, smashed to pieces if you fall from there. It would be that steep and that bad and... It's, I think, one of the most treacherous sections on the northern side of the mountain and very technical, a lot of traffic jams, a lot of uh, mental ball game that happens, you know, in that area. So, uh, for me, I think that was a very tricky section. Wow. Mm. All right. That, that was a really good one. I, I have one more or two more, actually, saying, so what is, do you practice any sort of mindfulness? Do you have a, any sort of mindfulness practice? Um, do I, do I have any sort of mindfulness? So I'm assuming this is more in respect to maybe at least I, maybe I can answer it in terms of my diet. Hmm. Um, uh, in terms of mindfulness around my dreams, I don't, I'm not mindful. Uh, so I'm not going to, you know, I think if you have any dreams or passions in life, uh, I don't think we should be mindful. Just go pursue them if you can. As simple mm-hmm. as that. Uh, mm-hmm. When it comes to diet, uh, again, mindfulness is not something that I uh, uh, I practice because you can be mindful and eat like cashews 20 times a day mindfully. 
mm-hmm. and still you know put on ton, shit ton of weight and you know That's... kind of uh, go away from your health and uh, fitness goals i personally believe uh, better thing would be to look at healthier habits and if that's what mindfulness is so building better healthier habits and just understanding what you are doing and what the what the consequences are and kind of just being within that framework so that's kind of what i would say yeah, uh, yeah. maybe not the best answer but no i think that was no, a really good answer because it really yeah. is that it's really being aware of what you do daily being aware of your actions being aware of even the small minuscule things all right the last one mm-hmm. is what would what is some piece of advice you would give to an upcoming mountain climber I would say uh, respect the mountain uh don't don't ever mm-hmm. overestimate your abilities mm-hmm. on the other hand almost always underestimate your abilities and train harder and harder and harder it's almost like under promise over deliver mm-hmm. like you know kind of a mindset where you are always training hard it there's always never enough training and kind of always keeping that mindset of no shortcuts to the top no shortcuts mm-hmm. to any wor- place worth going on this planet so put in that mm-hmm. hard work put in the training time get the experience and slow and steady you know this is not a journey of 1 2 years or 5 years this is a journey of decades so mm-hmm. just you know dig in and and be ready for that be ready for that long drawn consistency yes. and discipline battle yes all right awesome. perfect love that that's it right there yeah that that, that pretty right. much wraps it up right um unless yeah, you have no. anything else you want to add harvey well for me that that's all the questions that we have from our audience mm-hmm. and uh i really do love the the stories that you decided to throw in there for us and, and take us on a, a part of your journey because i know it's a it's a lot more they have to say so it's much a lot more so much just those pieces yeah and uh no i genuinely i genuinely love it i'm inspired and i'm sure our audiences as well yes. and uh we hope to have you on again we really do hope to have you on again maybe we can yeah. dive deeper into a into one of your stories and and go from there Mm -hmm. no yeah i i definitely agree with harvey because i know so much of you know you have so many stories to tell so many so so much more that we can get into that you know we, we couldn't get into today in this podcast and hopefully we are able to you know on the next one if you're willing to mm-hmm. dive deeper into it. And I just want to say, we do appreciate you mm-hmm. being on. We do appreciate, mm-hmm. you know, the time you took out of your day to be here with us. Like we always say to everyone yeah. else, we appreciate you taking the time to listen, to speak and, you know, just educate people. Cause I know there's someone out there that, you know, they stumbled upon this video and they're just the happiest mm-hmm. person right now. So thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for, you know, uh, inviting me and pleasure to be here. Yes. Perfect. All right. Thank you. Wraps it up, guys. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We genuinely do appreciate it. And if any of you would like to reach out to us, our email is societysucksteam at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at societysuckstm. We hope you have a great day.